0: Hey everybody thanks for joining us at Anthem this morning. I don't know what day we're at in our isolated situations but thanks for making the uh, time to be with us this morning and I want to ask you just for these next few minutes to focus in on what we're doing here and just allow some of those other distractions around you just to um, just to kind of get out of your way so that you can focus for a little while. I do know that we're only a few days away, one week away from Easter, and so we want to talk about that in a moment. But let me just remind you, if you if you haven't done it just yet, and if you're watching or, this or streaming it on Facebook, go ahead and like the like the uh, the, the stream and uh, uh, share it with your friends. That would be great because between now and next week, we wanna make sure we're inviting as many people as we can to join us for Easter Sunday. In fact, I would encourage you, if you, uh, if you see our Easter branding for our service next week, uh, you'll see an event. Why not uh, do what I do is that I share that event in Messenger just to let a few people know about what's coming up so that if somebody, there might be somebody in your life who's never even joined you at church, but who can in very real way join you next Sunday at church for our Easter service. And so I want to challenge you to do that with one or two friends this week and invite them to be a part of what we're doing next week. And I also want to thank those of you who've been giving faithfully to Anthem during this time. Um, I'm grateful to God that for the first quarter, our January to March period, we were able to meet our budget goals for each of those three months. And it's been because so many of you have stepped up in that area and been committed to faithful and regular giving. And um, I would just ask that for those of you who uh, give on a more sporadic uh, way, would you consider uh, setting up recurring giving online at anthemchurch.life slash give? And it may be that you're thinking, well, I can't give too much, but I want to encourage you to start. Obviously, this is a season that we don't know how this is going to continue, but we are um, sustained by the faithful giving of god's people at anthem and so i want to invite you to be a part of that Uh, in fact at the beginning of the year i encouraged all of us at our vision 2020 service to continue inviting people into this experience to uh, continue serving either in the church or in our community and continue in our giving and so i'd encourage you to I, i want to say thanks to those of you who've been doing that it's made an enormous difference and i want to challenge you to continue doing that as well Um, Before I share the word this morning, let's pray together and ask God's presence in this service, wherever we're at, to be present with us uh, as we worship him together. Let's pray. Lord, during this time where some are struggling with anxiety and depression, I want to pray a special uh, prayer of strength over their lives. God, where we have medical professionals in our community, in our church and in our broader community who are going out to the front lines, Uh, During this time of this coronavirus uh, pandemic, Lord, I pray that you will give them strength and protection, especially those who um, who are literally at the front lines of, of, of medical care during this time. Be with them, I pray. And God, I pray that you'll bring a swift end to this situation that we're in, that we'll see miracle after miracle taking place. And God, I pray that today on this Palm Sunday, that you will speak to us as people who declare and proclaim you as our Lord. And so we, uh, we just want to uh, lift you up and worship you together today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So for those of you who know anything about church calendar stuff, uh, today is called Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter. It's, uh, it's, it's the beginning of the final week of Jesus' life. And so, of course, Jesus has spent three years of his life, his earthly ministry. He's been traveling. He's been preaching. He's been preaching the kingdom of God. He's been healing the sick. He's been casting out demons. But most of all, preaching that the kingdom of God is near. And he's come to the final week of his life on earth. He's headed towards Jerusalem. He knows what's to come. And Palm Sunday is a a day when he tells two of his disciples, go get me a donkey and uh, the foal of a donkey, a colt, and you're going to find a guy. He, he's, he, he knows exactly what's about to take place. You're going to find somebody who's got a, a donkey and a colt, and I want you to, to bring them to me. And if anybody asks you, like, why are you taking my donkey? You just say, the Lord needs it. And they're going to be like, fine, go ahead, take the donkey, take the little donkey, and uh, you know, just try not to total them, bring them back at the end of the day, and, and you'll be good. So Jesus rides into Jerusalem, into the city of Jerusalem, um, surrounded by tons of people praising and worshiping him, laying their cloaks down on the ground as a symbol of a king entering a city, waving palm branches as as a symbol of praise as Jesus rides into town. And right here, Jesus is fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy that was spoken 600 years beforehand. Did you catch that? 600 years beforehand. It was a, a prophecy by the prophet Zechariah. You can read about it in Zechariah 9 verse 9 in your Old Testament. And that, that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem uh, on, the, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. And so Jesus is doing exactly that. And from that day, from that Sunday to the, uh, the death of Jesus on Friday and the resurrection uh, three days later, we see prophecy after prophecy after prophecy fulfilled by Jesus, fulfilled. It wasn't like he could have, have, have uh, conspired to do this, to make it happen himself. He did it by his, by his riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, by his betrayal, uh, by his whipping and beating, by his crucifixion, by his resurrection, all being all fulfilling prophecy. And uh, I want to reflect this morning on a few thoughts that I have about who is this Jesus that we, that we read about in the, in the gospel? Who is the Jesus that maybe you, you learned about at church when you were a kid? And maybe you went to church and they waved palm branches. And right now you're like, I don't even know what that was about. Uh, but I want to ask you this. Who is this Jesus that we're dealing with? What is he about? What is he defined by? And I want to say first off that Jesus, during this final week of his life, was clearly defined by humility. Not coming into the city of Jerusalem with any grandeur, not, not any pomp and circumstance at all, not coming in as a military king or somebody with power and might, but coming into Jerusalem on a donkey like Have you ever thought how humble an animal? I mean, even in our time today, there's nothing impressive. It's kind of cute, maybe, but nothing impressive about a donkey. At a time when kings would have entered uh, a city to the, the shouts of thousands of people, perhaps around them, on what was called a litter, where where, um, servants would have had uh, poles carried on their shoulders and there would be a carriage fixed to those poles to carry a royalty or a dignitary into a specific place. But Jesus comes in, in ultimate humility, on a baby donkey. The most humble of transportation methods. You know, if it was today, it would be like Hollywood A-listers showing up at the Oscars on the red carpet and showing up in a Prius or a smart car or like maybe my 2006 Honda Odyssey with 220,000 miles on the clock. Nothing impressive about that except that it's still going. But like nothing impressive about that ride, nothing at all. You know, we're great, aren't we, at positioning ourselves, at self-promotion, about making sure that the best possible image of ourselves is is portrayed to the masses. You know, we're we're in a time of the the internet age and great photography of, you know, incredible resolution on our screens and the ability to make everything look great. We're great at promotion. We think about our our resume and we think about our unofficial resume, uh, our profile, our internet presence so much. And often pre- preachers are actually the worst at this because I have a lot of friends that are preachers and they tend to like pump up their Facebook profiles quite a lot with photos and images of themselves on stages preaching to thousands and this kind of stuff. And I can get tripped up on that as well. I'm not above it or anything, but I try to be aware that, is that me positioning myself? When you consider that Jesus came in to Jerusalem to a party that was spontaneously being thrown for him he's the new star of the show but he comes in on a donkey whoever we are there's lots of ways to position ourselves but Jesus did the opposite his final week on this earth was a was a a week of continuing humility increasing humility throughout his week the a journey towards the ultimate humility One writer in the Bible says that Jesus made himself nothing. He took on the very nature and form of a servant and was humbled even to death on a cross. You know, next time you're tempted to promote yourself and to position yourself, remember that the king of the universe, the king of the Jews at the time, came into Jerusalem knowing he was going to be adored, knowing he was going to be praised, knowing that cloaks and palm branches were going to be waved and laid down before him. And he said, somebody go get me a donkey to come in on. Somebody go get me the most humblest form of transportation. Jesus was defined by humility that day and for that coming week. He was also defined by purpose. He was also defined by the purpose that God had for him. You know, you've got to remember that Jesus knew every single one of the events That would unfold as that week carried on he knew he'd be praised and worshipped on palm sunday he knew he'd be betrayed by his friend judas later in that week he knew he'd be denied by his friend peter he knew he'd be the subject of an unfair trial he knew he'd be beaten tortured he knew he'd have a crown of thorns thrust onto his head and the agony that was involved with that he knew that torture and crucifixion were coming He saw the end from the beginning because he is the beginning and the end. But he trusted God to unfold his plan in his life. He knew that the same people that were praising him on the morning of Palm Sunday would be crucifying him five, six days later that week. Let me me challenge you. Never get impressed by your own reputation. Never be overly impressed by what people say about you. Because what people say about you can change in an instant. Jesus was praised on a Sunday by the, Sunday by the same people that crucified him on Good Friday. They could be cru- crucifying you by the end of the week. You know, most of us want to, to bail on situations as they get bad. We don't want to like, if we know that bad times are coming like Jesus did, we want to bail. We want to we get out of jail free card really quickly. Like imagine last month, how many people would have stayed in the stock market, investors in the stock market, if they'd known what was coming. If they'd known the, the recession that we were going to, this immediate downturn in the market that we were going to face as a result of COVID-19, they would, they would be gone. They'd be cashing out right away. What stock market, wouldn't, stock market investor wouldn't have left? We get so confident, we get so uh, puffed up and thinking that we've created something and we know the future, and we know where it's heading. We don't, Jesus does. But we love to think that everything's fine, everything's great. And just think about the situation that we've been in where we had, a, we had the, the, the stock market was higher than it had, it had ever been just back in February. The, the job figures have been greater than they've been in the last 50 years. And we put all our confidence in what we see around us. And in our present challenges, I want to challenge you to be defined by the purpose that God has you on this earth. Be defined by the purposes of God for us, not by how well things are going or how badly things are going. It's easy to bail and to fall into fear when times get unsettling, but we want to continue like Jesus did on Palm Sunday, continuing through the good times and knowing that the bad times are coming and not wavering. The greatest thing that you and I can do on this earth is serve the purposes of God in our time. That was the thing that was said about King David uh, in the book of Acts. The, the, the writer reminds us of what happened in the Old Testament with King David. And he says, King David served the purposes of God in his generation and then he died. It's like the, it's, it's like the ultimate sort of anticlimactic moment. He served God's purposes and, then he's, and now he's dead. Now he's in a box. And, uh, but really, I want that on my epitaph. That, that, that's, the, that's the greatest thing to have on your tombstone. Colin Harfield, serve the purposes of God. And, and now he's right here because our only goal in life should be to serve the purposes of God in our lives. And I know we're, we're unaware of the future. I know most of us are, have had moments of fear, moments of like, you know, we're, we're not sure what's to come. or We want to self-protect. And things probably get worse before they get better. But will you and I serve God's purposes in our lives? Will we serve the purposes of God, the reason God put us on the earth and not our own needs and desires? In fact, the Bible says about Jesus that a certain time during his ministry, he set his face towards Jerusalem. It was like he knew that from that point on, with all the traveling around Galilee and other places that he'd done, he knew now's the time to head towards Jerusalem. It's time to be resolute about going to the place for which God put me on this earth. And that was for to, to go to the cross to, to be a sacrifice for, for the sin of all mankind. You know, he got up that Sunday realizing, "Okay, we've got Palm Sunday, we've got Good Friday, we've got Easter Sunday. It's all coming. He wouldn't have defined it in those terms, I'm sure. But but he knew what was coming and he was resolute about his calling. Now, that continued in, uh, in the book of Acts when, when Paul, the apostle, uh, uh, said this in, in chapter 20. And if you've been reading the book of Acts through, through the month with us, and I know a bunch of you have, you probably hit, I think, chapter 20 yesterday. But uh, it says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. This is the apostle Paul speaking. He said, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Like, get this stuff right here. Like Paul saying, like, I've got to go to Jerusalem. God's calling me there. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that there's going to be prison and hardships. And what does he do? Does he bail? Nope. He's called according to God's purposes. And it's like, I'm in. Jesus was was defined by humility. He was defined by purpose. But most of all, he was defined by his relationship with the father. Jesus was able to get through the events of the final, final week of his life because he was already surrendered to the will of God. Do you remember uh, the night before Jesus died? He was in what we know as the Garden of Gethsemane, a place, uh, a stone's throw away from where the from where his crucifixion would take place. And he goes there and he wants to pray and he wants to bring his disciples to pray with him. He knows what's to come and he's asking his disciples to pray. Could you like stay awake and pray with me? And they fall asleep. And they're just like such like losers at the time. But Jesus is in this period of anguish. And he's saying, Father God, if there's a way that this situation, this cup can be taken away from me, if, if there's another route, if there's a plan B, can we please go with the plan B that requires me to not have to go through all this? And, you know, it's not a sin to ask. Jesus wasn't sinning by ask making that request of God. But he I don't know how long that time it took for him to, at that point, just surrender to God and say, God not my will but yours be done and I feel like along the way Jesus would have been very clear God not my will yours be done if there's a plan b let's take it but not my will yours be done Jesus quickly reached that moment of like at the end of the day it's about following what father God wants because I find my identity in my relationship with God I find my my, uh I'm defined by my relationship with my father And whatever happens around me doesn't matter as long as I have that relationship. Hebrews 12 verse 1-2 encourages us as followers of Christ. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders, like push away every distraction, everything that gets in our way. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And I love what it says about Jesus. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand. Of the throne of God, guys. Somebody asked me this week, like, what's one of your favorite Bible verses? And like, I, I gave him a whole bunch of them. It's Carmen, the uh, Chico, my friend Carmen said, like, give me some of your favorite Bible verses. And Carmen, here's another one for you: Hebrews twelve one and two. That passage is is got to be up there. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, can you imagine that? in heaven right now, there's a cloud of thousands upon thousands, millions of followers of Christ who've gone before us. This great cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on. And Paul's saying, look, since we've got this great cloud of witnesses around us, why wouldn't you do anything but just run the race marked out for you? Serve God with all the strength and tenacity that you can find, because it's the only thing worth living for. Jesus has proved that it's possible to face enormous struggles to honor God in the process and come out victorious. And That's what he did. And that's what he calls us to do. You know, we sung that song at the beginning today that said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I just want to say to any of you who might be on the fence today, you're not even sure if you follow Jesus or not. He can be trusted. You can put your faith in him. And if you put your faith in him, if you believe in him and lay down your life to Jesus Christ, you will not perish, but you'll have eternal life. What could be better than that? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he is faithful. You don't need to fear. You can put your trust in a a faithful God. Don't, and don't be tempted to think, oh, well, I put my trust in the church or I'm just connected to the church and therefore I'm OK. Let me tell you, that's not going to get you anywhere. Don't put your trust in the church. Put your trust in Jesus. Don't just see this as like, a, oh, I check in for 30 minutes or 45 minutes on, on a Sunday morning on my phone. And, you know, I'm in and out of other tasks. But like, make that decision to put your faith in Jesus today. And if you've never done that, I want to ask you, as we, as we continue in our worship this morning, to decide, I want to put my faith in Jesus. It's called becoming a Christian. And it doesn't happen by church attendance. It doesn't happen by tipping the hat towards a religious group or a, or a church. It's done by us saying to Jesus Christ, not my will, but yours be done. I surrender my life to you. I want to give my life to the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I want to give my life to that person. That person is Jesus Christ. He's defined by humility, by purpose and his identity and his relationship with the Father. And I am putting all my eggs in this basket and I want to encourage you to do the same with me today. Let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you died for everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice today. And I believe that you want a relationship with all of uh, you want a relationship with all of us. And so I pray that for everyone who's sitting in front of their phones or computers or TVs today. And is on the edge of making a decision to follow you. will make that choice. To put their trust in the faithful God of the universe who can be trusted we know you went to the cross for us and you endured great pain and great sacrifice for us and so we give our hearts and our lives to you today it's in Jesus name that we pray amen